0: Welcome back to another episode of 5am Theology. So Chris, this week we're in the book of Proverbs and the book of Proverbs, as you know, gives everyday wisdom for living. It it was written over a 150 year period by a bunch of people, but King Solomon put them together. So he's always attributed with it, which is fitting because for the first time, I don't know why I never noticed this before. When you get to First Kings chapter four, it talks about the end of Solomon's reign and all he accomplished, and it says that he spoke three thousand proverbs. That's a lot of proverbs. That's a lot. It's
1: a lot of wisdom. That's a whole lot. It is. It is definitely. Well, proverbs gives us warnings and advice on things like knowing God and listening to our parents, choosing a spouse, choosing your friends, sexual purity being teachable instead of just being foolish and many other situations that we all deal with at some point in our lives. And most of the time we deal with these things over and over and over again. Yep. Now, some people wrongly see Proverbs as guarantees, like do this and then this will happen or do this and this won't happen, whatever. That is not the case. They
0: are not seen that way. No, they're not. They're made to help you make wise decisions. And the proverb that we picked out to talk about today is no surprise, one of our favorites, Proverbs 9. And in Proverbs 9, God makes a sharp distinction between the simple and the wise, meaning unbelievers and believers. And he also makes a distinction between how unbelievers and believers accept correction, you were saying being teachable instead of a fool. This proverb shows that. Proverbs 9, 7 says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will still hate you. You only have to look at social media to see that. Absolutely right. And after that, we see this
1: contrast beginning in Proverbs 9, verse 8, which says, Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, that should sound familiar to some people if they (laughs) follow us at all. But there's a striking difference in how unbelievers and believers sometimes accept correction. And we're not saying that unbelievers never accept any kind of correction. That's not true. But right away, we see a big difference in how people respond. And we see this in what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, 17, as to why. God, through us, spreads the fragments of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing, to one, a fragrance from death to death,
0: to the other, a fragrance from life to life. And there's a lot of other verses that kind of show why unbelievers don't take correction, especially from believers. Well, John 15, 19, 1 Peter 2, 9, James 4, 4 are just some of the examples. So Chris, unbelievers hate correction from us because somewhere deep down, it touches a chord in them because they know there's a God. They're made to know there's a God. And yet they're living in denial of him. And that makes sense then that the wise believers should welcome correction because we've not only acknowledged God, but we're living in surrender to him and we should love him and sincerely want to learn and grow in our knowledge of him yeah but sometimes
1: that's easier to believe than it is to actually live out i mean it it hurts when someone corrects us yes but like you said we should as believers be willing to accept it graciously and take what someone tells us and at least at the very least look into scripture and think about it and and meditate on it and contemplate it and talk to God about it. We can all excitedly take down notes and be thrilled learning new things from our pastors in a sermon or Bible study or something. All that's great. But then, you know, when someone approaches us, how are we going to act?
0: Good question.
1: Yeah. How about like if somebody says, you know, you were just gossiping just now and that's not behaving like you should. It's not acting in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's a little bit harder to take than hearing it from the pulpit when the pastor seems to be be talking to anybody or everybody.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. But as this proverb said, and Chris, you hit it on the head, we need to be open to legitimate biblical correction. We can test it against scripture, but we need to really see, does somebody have a legitimate gripe against us and do we need to learn from it? right and that leads right into verse 10 our favorite verse the one that should be familiar if you follow us the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy one is insight and i just looked this up the fear of the lord or something similar like fear of god or fear god is mentioned over 300 times in scripture so it's significant it's definitely significant
1: And most of us have heard that this fear is not like a trembling fear, but more a healthy awe of God. But that's not entirely complete or true either. I mean, it's not a fear or terror or panic, but it's more than just respect. Fearing God has a meaning, like a deep reverence towards, and it means being completely surrendered to and submissive to.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think a good example of that is the way a young child fears their parents, especially their father in a good, healthy family, obviously. And the reason it's a good example is because to a little kid, the parents are the almighty, especially the dad. I mean, he's the boss. He's the one who imposes the rules to follow the one who punishes it when the rules are broken and the one that ultimately you have to answer to. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: Children are fearful of their parents because they don't want those consequences. They don't want the discipline, but children are not terrified, or at least they shouldn't be in most situations. Children should not be terrified of their parents, not loving parents.
0: Yeah, because even while parents are all powerful, kids know that their parents are the ones who provide for them, who protect them, who love them, and who always have their best interests at heart. And that's what
1: fear of the Lord should look like. And we know that God has all of those things he's providing for us and he loves us. So that's what it should look like. It's a good analogy.
0: And fearing God is the beginning of wisdom because it makes us realize that God is all-knowing and basically we're stupid sheep. We are. (laughs) Without a shepherd's voice directing and guiding us, We'd probably just fall off the side of a cliff or get eaten by wolves or something. I know. And the rules
1: he gives us are keeping us from danger. That's a good thing to remember when we think about him. They teach us how not to be susceptible to the lies that we get told. Lies by false teachers, lies to ourselves, lies from the world and from Satan.
0: Yeah, but... You know, sometimes we can get caught up and think it's just a list of rules from God in the Bible and we need to try to keep them. Well, that's legalism. And we saw what a failure that was in the entire Old Testament. Even today, when someone tries legalism, it never works. So that's where the next line of Proverbs 9, 10 comes in. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight or understanding as some translations say. Yeah, I like
1: that word understanding. When we truly get to know who God is through his word, it makes a difference. It makes fearing him much easier and much sweeter to do. We want to. We also see his true nature and his attributes as we study scripture. We see him like that little child sees his parents as firm and all powerful, but also as completely loving and like a doting parent.
0: That's a good place to end for this morning. Have a blessed morning, everyone.